Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. The little boy was sick on Palm Sunday, and so he ended up staying home from church that day with his mother. And when his dad came home from church, so his dad came home and he was carrying a palm branch, right? So just like everyone in here, you guys have your own palm branches. My hope is that you take them and you hang them up on your walls at home or mount them in your windshield of your car. I'm just kidding. Don't do any of those things. Just this is a remembrance of Palm Sunday for you. So take these home. But this little boy saw his dad come home with the palm branch. And his son asked, so dad, what's the deal with the palm branch? So his dad began to explain, well, you see, son, Jesus came into town and everyone waved palm branches to honor him. And they, they shouted, Hosanna. And so today in church, they gave us palm branches to commemorate. And the little boy replied, of course, Jesus shows up on the day I'm sick. Never mind. I, I thought it was funny. All right. So when we talk about Palm Sunday, we talk about Jesus showing up. We talk about Jesus coming in to a city that had long expected him and had long awaited him. And so today marks the beginning of Jesus' final week on this earth. It's the beginning of the final week of Jesus' life. And and in this week, we see Jesus do all kinds of incredible things. He shows up and he spends time teaching in the temple. He celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples. We see that Jesus changes for us forever what servant leadership looks like by washing his disciples' feet. So much happens in this last week of Jesus' life, but it never would have happened if Jesus didn't show up, right? Palm Sunday is the day that we often refer to as the day where Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus makes his way from Bethany. Now, Bethany is a town not too terribly far away from Jerusalem. And you might recognize the name Bethany because Bethany was the town where Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus lived. And he was resurrected from the dead there. So today, as we celebrate and talk about Palm Sunday, let's read what it actually means. So I invite you now to turn, uh, if you have a Bible, into the book of Matthew chapter 21. If you don't, not a problem. We have it on the screen. If you're at home, you can follow along. We'll have that full screen for you also. This is Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 17. So hear now the word of the Lord for us on this Palm Sunday. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mountain of Olives, or the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and they did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw that these wonderful things that he did and the children were shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and he went out of the city back to Bethany where he spent the night. So when we talk about Palm Sunday, I think we really have to talk about how it's kind of misunderstood. I think it's one of the most misunderstood moments in Jesus' ministry, and it's kind of an accidental church holiday. So Palm Sunday is more than just a celebration of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday is also, more importantly, the misunderstanding of who Jesus was. Right? So, so you see in this, this visual that all the people began cutting down palm branches and laying them out in the road as Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. They throw their coats down in the street and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. They're excited about who Jesus is because they think Jesus is now the new king. He's going to rid them of the rule of the Romans. He's going to kick out the oppressors. Jesus is coming to set things right again and bring about the kingdom of God in a way that will last all eternity, right? There's this kind of apocalyptic hope that Jesus is that king. And he comes riding in on a donkey. The Jewish people had come out to see Jesus, who they describe as the prophet, right, from Nazareth in Galilee, who they thought was going to strike down the ruling Roman Empire and rebuild the kingdom of God in such a way that it would last forever. The Jewish people came out and laid their coats, they cut down palm branches in the road, and they shouted, Hosanna in the highest, because they expected to be saved from the cruelty of the Romans. The Romans had been governing them for more than 80 years. They had quelled uprisings. The Romans had crushed those who would oppress them. The Romans had uh, kicked out some of the Jewish people from worshiping God in their own temple earlier on in their reign and in their rule. The Romans were really cruel. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there were a couple of uprisings that happened uh, in Jerusalem. And the Romans actually came in to quell the uprising. They murdered hundreds and hundreds of Jewish men and boys, and they crucified them along the roads going to and leaving Jerusalem as a means to say, if you cause a problem in my city, this is what will happen to you as hundreds of Jewish men hung on crosses. The Roman rule in Jerusalem was not easy. The Roman government was not kind. There'd be beatings, castrations, jailings. And it wasn't just on one occasion they would crucify men to line the roads. 
And this is what the Jewish people expected Jesus to confront. They expected Jesus to start a rebellion. They expected Jesus to come in and be a mighty warrior king who's going to expel the Romans from their capital city. He's going to kick them out of the, the, the place where God entertained his people and God met with them in the temple. This was going to be the, the promised reign of God here on earth through this king, this mighty Jesus. And then he rides into the city on a donkey. They expected Jesus to be the one that would stop the torture. They would stop the bloodshed. He would stop the oppression. They expected Jesus to be their savior, not so much their eternal savior, but their savior right then and there. And that's why they shouted, Hosanna. That's why they laid out palm branches. So I, I think we need to have a conversation about the what, what the word Hosanna means today. Have you ever wondered what it means when we're singing Hosanna as we sing our worship songs? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. No? Just me? Okay. As we read the word Hosanna, as we sing the word Hosanna, it's kind of something that I began to wonder about. What does that even mean? Well, according to Kyle Blevins, who is an author, and he's a contributor to the popular Christian Bible study website, crosswalk.com, the Hebrew word is actually, it's not Hosanna, it's Hoshiana. And it's translated in Greek as Osana, right? The H is kind of silent. In English, we pronounce it Hosanna. And in Oklahoma, we call it Hosanna. <laughs> There's a scripture in the book of Psalms, in Psalms chapter 118, verses 25, where we see the word used really for the first time. The scripture in English, as it's translated, it says this. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. I'm not taking Hebrew to know all the correct pronunciations, but the Hebrew translation of this scripture is Ana Adonai Hoshi Ana. The word here is the same word that the Greeks would have translated into Hosanna, right? It literally means in this scripture, save us, Hosanna, Hoshi Ana, save us. Later, the word Hosanna would shift a little bit in its meaning, just a smidge. The word would take on kind of another context, a kind of a celebratory word, meaning thank you for saving us. So it has this weird kind of duality in its meaning. Save us, we pray, save us now, and thank you for saving us. It has this weird kind of in-between place. When we say Hosanna, it's, we recognize that in this moment, they're shouting to Jesus, save us, save us, save us. And they're also shouting, thank you for saving us. It's this done and are doing situation that God is doing through Jesus. We are saved and we are being saved through Christ. The people of Jerusalem were crying out for Jesus to save them. And at the same time, without even recognizing it, they were giving thanks for being saved. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were indignant. Right? Do you know what the word indignant means? Anybody have any thoughts? I mean, you can kind of pick it up as you read it. They were indignant. The word fully means feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. So you think of like indignance, like when you see somebody who is being treated 
uh, like unjustly. You would be indignant to that treatment. But in this situation, it's really weird because people are showing Jesus glory and honor and they're revering him. They're excited about him and the Pharisees are indignant. They think that the treatment of Jesus in that moment is unfair because they're not, they don't treat me like that. They don't say Hosanna to me when I come up and read the scriptures in the temple. You can kind of see that the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the religious leaders are jealous because they see that people love Jesus and they're excited about Jesus. And the religious leaders had no full concept of who Jesus was. They thought he was just another one of those rebel teachers, right? Just another one of those rabble rousers who's just getting this kind of following around him and eventually he'll be shut up too. The Romans have a tendency to put their boots on the necks of those who raise their voice. I can just imagine the Pharisees like, this is all going to end soon, right? Surely he can't continue to garner their praise and their adoration forever, can he? And they were indignant about it. They were angry that Jesus was being treated in such a great and honored way. They thought he didn't deserve the attention that he was getting. And they were disgusted about how people treated him and they praised him and they were excited and they pleaded for their salvation from him. Thank you for saving us. Hosanna, save us. And the scripture says, kind of as we end that, that little pericope, that section of scripture, we see Jesus just goes back to Bethany, right? If you've ever read in the scripture this particular section, uh, at the, the headliner above this particular section, as we start in Matthew chapter 21, it says, Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it ends pretty nonchalantly, right? So Jesus shows up and it's just a big party and it's a parade and people are excited and they're screaming Hosanna. They're throwing palm branches at him and coats all over the ground. And then he goes to the temple and he knocks over the money changers tables and he calls them robbers and thieves. And he says, get out of my father's house. And then the the Pharisees are indignant. And then Jesus goes back to Bethany. He leaves the city and he goes to sleep. Another one of the things I think is a big misconception here in Palm Sunday is that we talk about Jerusalem as this weird triumphal entry. And I think we have to understand what triumphal means, right? So we're doing a lot of learning today. Triumphal means pertaining to or commemorating a triumph or victory. Triumphant, having achieved victory or success, victorious, successful, What was Jesus successful at in this moment? Who did he beat up? Who did he uh, reign over? Who was he victorious over in this moment? So there is an author named Oshita Moore. And in her book, Shalom Sisters, Oshita says this. She says the concept of a triumph requires some explanation because it's foreign to us, modern believers. A triumph was actually, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just a victory. A triumph was an actual celebration. And it was a, celebration, uh, a celebratory procession through the streets. A triumph was like a parade. When the Romans wanted to celebrate their latest conquest, they celebrated with a triumph. 
In fact, in 70, in the year 70 CE, the Roman general Tiberius destroyed the very city of Jerusalem that they were celebrating Jesus coming into here on this first Palm Sunday. Titus' triumph with the spoils from the Jerusalem temple is actually depicted on a monument that remains in Rome to this day. That first Palm Sunday, Jesus wasn't the only person leading a procession into Jerusalem. There was another one coming from the opposite side of the city. And this blew my mind. And I want you to hear this. During this period of time, it was customary for the ruling Roman magistrate to celebrate the high holy days of their conquered peoples from within their conquered capital city. Because of this Roman tradition, we believe that Pontius Pilate entered Jerusalem from his home in Caesarea, which would have been the opposite side of the city that Jesus was coming in on from Bethany. So on that same day, there was a Roman procession, a triumph coming into the city, and there was Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the same time. So the whole city would have been captivated by two very different moves. Pontius Pilate's procession was a proclamation of Rome's superiority, their wealth, their power, their supremacy. And it came with an undeniable message directed to the pilgrims who had gathered in the city for these high holy days that you either keep the peace or we're going to control you by force. So when Pontius Pilate was coming into the city, it wasn't a gentle savior coming in on a donkey. It was, I'm riding a white stallion. There's going to be drums and there's going to be trumpets and there's going to be fanfare. And people are going to recognize that if they want to have problems this week, that we're going to squash them. This was a stark contrast to the way that Jesus entered the city. On the other side of town, Jesus was approaching. He had not organized a parade for himself. He didn't intend to show off. Jesus didn't show up on a white horse. He wasn't wearing armor. He didn't carry a sword. Jesus was a gentle savior riding in on a donkey. A huge contrast to what it looked like on the other side of town. From one side of town, the fanfare of trumpets with Pilate announcing that I am the ruler. I am the best. Look at me. And on the other side, people were calling Jesus their savior and asking them to save us from Pilate. The people of Jerusalem thought that Jesus was their savior, but not in the way that we see him today as the total savior of the world, as somebody who has religiously set right all the wrongs that we brought on ourselves. They thought Jesus was going to punch Pilate right in the throat. And that wasn't Jesus' intention at all. They expected him to start a fight, and those people who gathered there to throw their coats on the ground were ready to stand beside Jesus and fight against the Romans also. That wasn't his intention, sorry, that wasn't his intention at all, but Jesus, he showed up. And I, I bet there was some confusion around the, the Jewish people who had gathered there, because Jesus didn't come as a conqueror. He had never won a battle. He'd never actually even picked up a sword to fight. He wasn't wearing a crown or a cape. So I would compare this, this really weird need, right? So imagine yourselves in Metropolis and like the biggest bad, let's say Lex Luthor shows up in your city and who do you expect? Metropolis, Lex Luthor, anybody know who we expect? Who do we expect? Batman. Oh, come on, Denise. <laughs> Superman, 
right? You were close. Batman, Superman, they're in the same universe. But you're in Metropolis, and, and the biggest bad in the world shows up in your city, and who do you expect? You expect Superman, right? He's got the muscles and the cape and the big S on his chest. He's got the underwear on the outside of his pants. Like, we expect Superman in this moment. And instead of getting Superman, Mr. Rogers shows up. Right? And that's what happened. So can you imagine being the Jewish people who are like, yeah, the king is coming. I heard he's coming. He's here. Let's go throw palm branches and get our coats and throw them on the road. Let's be so excited. And they see Jesus coming in on a donkey off in the distance. What? Can you imagine? Like, I'm sure they're like, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hey, Phil, like, have you ever seen this guy? He doesn't look like a king. He doesn't look like the king that we're expecting. Where's his army? How's he going to defeat Pilate? He's on the other side of the city. They're, they're going to come to a head. How is this going to happen? All, he's, all I see is like women and children and fishermen and tax collectors and lepers and poor people following this guy. Where's his army? How are they going to defeat? What, what's going on, Phil? I don't, I don't get it. Everything about the triumphal entry of Jesus on this Palm Sunday is super contradictory to what the headline says. So today on this Palm Sunday, I want us to think about who it is that we serve, right? We live in an America that's kind of like king of the world, right? Like the world looks to us as an example of who we, uh, who we uplift, the world uplifts. Who has power, we celebrate. But in this time, we recognize that power comes when we bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus comes to show us that there is another way, a way that is better and unexpected. And so Jesus brings hope to a group of people who had had nothing but oppression for some of them their whole lives. And Jesus says, I'm coming into the city today because this triumphal entry is really going to end with a triumphal exit. Because Jesus is going to leave the world and leave us with the gift of the Spirit of God. Hosanna implies that we believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. When we sing Hosanna, when we say the word Hosanna, we say, save us, Jesus, and thank you for saving us in this moment. So do we treat Jesus this way? Is Jesus really our Savior? Do we respect Jesus as the Son of God? Do we revere Him and honor Him, not with our coats and with palm branches, but do we do it with our lives? Or do we just remember Him once a week on Sunday morning? We talk about church, right? And this community of believers that we have, we gather together once a week on Sunday morning. Some of us go small group on Thursday nights. But guys, church is every single day of our lives. We have the opportunity and we have the obligation to love and support Jesus and to lift him up and to bring about the kingdom of God around us every single day that we live. So today, we're entering into one of the most important weeks of our faith. This entire week is setting us up for the biggest contradiction of all time. A king who dies, gives up everything, his royalty, his power, his, his kingship. 
so that you and I have life. We start this week shouting, Hosanna, save us, Jesus, as we welcome Jesus as king. But by the end of the week, we shout, crucify him, murder him. He's not the guy that we expected. He's not what we want. By the end of the week, Jesus is hoisted up on a cross like a common criminal. What a great week we enter into this week. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up. When he didn't have to, he could have chose to done something else. I'd rather go fishing than get crucified, right? I'd rather go teach somewhere in a synagogue. I'd rather go spend time eating with my disciples. Instead, Jesus says, nope. There's something bigger at work here, and I'm going to fulfill my calling. So friends, this week, remember the word Hosanna, or Hosanna. Remember that it means save us, Jesus, this week. Because this week, that's exactly what he does. Let's pray. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, save us, Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to show us what love looks like. Thank you for putting aside your royalty. Thank you for laying down your crown and picking up a crown of thorns instead. God, as we recognize your spirit at work around us, help us to, to join in with that work of redemption. Help us to be a part of your mission to redeem all of creation to reunite us with our Creator. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being willing to show up. Thank you for showing up on our account. Thank you for loving us, even when we are not lovable. Thank you for, for forgiving us when we do things that are unforgivable. Lord Jesus, this week is about you. So help us encounter you afresh and anew this week. Help us to find ways to, to join in the work of your hands and feet along with the, the multitudes of other Christians at work in the world around us. Help us to serve others this week through the events of our church and on our own individually. Because we want more of you. We want your kingdom here. God, rule over us through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the same way that Jesus rules over us with love and with compassion and with forgiveness. God, bring us hope because that's what we need more than anything in this time. God, we love you and we thank you for the gift of Jesus, your son. Help us to remember him not just today, but always in everything we do and everything we say. God, we love you and we thank you for the gift of Christ. And all these things we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.